Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Uh, this week, we're, we're sort of taking a pause from our AR discussions. We just completed a month-long series on AR, and we're pivoting to sort of do an overview of why immersive content is really exploding and what are some of the trends that are leading us to, to this crazy world. And the last year, certainly, we've dived into VR extensively. We've just talked about AR. We've done a, a little bit on um, artificial intelligence. But here to sort of wrap it all up for us is the fabulous John D. Canning, ladies and gentlemen, the media Sherpa. Let's hear it for John Canning. <laughs> Uh, I I love that applause. I, who, who wouldn't? <laughs> it's it's uh, like instant 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 feel good. So let me just give a little bit of your background, and then I want you to to run with it. But you've been basically for about twenty years now, um, really working in technology um, and helping to create and and deliver media, games, immersive content from really the concept to consumer devices, um, and most recently. You were at NBC um, Entertainment um, Digital, where you were VP of Interactive Experiences there, um, really diving into taking NBC's IP, their content, into second screen or social media or VR or whatever it was that that the show was. And and now you're an independent, um, really leading um, a lot of industry organizations as well into the future. You're chairman of the New Media Council for the Producers Guild. Um, I know that we work together on the uh, Television Academy's um, Interactive Media Peer Group. So um, I'd love to hear, first of all, how did you get here? Um, because when you and I met, you were working at Microsoft as, as sort of an evangelist there, but you've done so many different things. Give us a little overview, and then I want to dive right into what the hell is happening <laughs> right now. Oh, my God, yes. No, well, thank you, Lori, and it, it's, it's, it's been way overdue that we, have, we do this. Um, uh, like you said, we we knew each other back in my Microsoft days. I'm not going to start naming near years because that's just not going to that's not going to end well. But uh, I, you know, the funny part is is that I had to summarize this to somebody the other day, and I finally realized in a room full of technologists, I'm the creative guy, and in a room full of the creative people, I'm the technologist. And that kind of describes my career of uh, both uh, big companies like Microsoft or Scientific Atlanta, Disney, NBC or some of the startups that I've worked with. It's, it's really been helping uh, take the creative ideas and what people want to do to tell stories and helping apply technology in a, in a way that best serves that product. Um, I often say I, I take technology words away from uh, the creative people and say, no, no, what's the story we're trying to serve? And so that's, that's served me well in the, the journey because it's always been – an ever-evolving, as we've all seen it, uh, landscape of technologies to, to help us with that. I often joke that I spent the last 25 years trying to sell Gen- Jennifer Aniston's sweater all yeah. of the Web TV 1997 days. And we're still kind of poking around at that proposition. We've just come up with different ways to do it. You know, it used to be that first screen interactivity was a thing. I, I, was, I was involved in all that picking up your remote and trying to vote on your set-top box. And then we all found the smartphone and said, oh, my God, the coming of second screen technology. Not because it was the best. It was the best way to get around all the other problems. 
And now I'm excited that, you know, that second screen thing is now maybe your first screen, right? That mobile, that iPad, that whatever you're watching your content on sometimes is your primary screen, whether it's big or small. And and I'm excited about sort of that return to that interactivity in that environment because it feels very natural in that sense. So whether it's 2D rectilinear or diving into the immersive VR world, um, I've always enjoyed that sort of intersection. Well, you certainly have managed to place yourself um, at the at the center of it, and uh, you know this is something I I ask everybody. Um, you know, just how do you know what to pay attention to? Because here you are, you know, either on staff or as a consultant, um, guiding major studios and networks and producers. How do you know what is the thing to pay attention to? I mean, is it just you just figure it out over time? You know, or what uh, is it that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, I sometimes I joke that uh, usually if I'm paying attention to it, it's not going to be a business for the next couple of years. So you should just ignore it. Um, uh, but I, uh, you know, for me, it it's a bit of watching the trends. Um, I often say to people that uh, studying history, either near term or long term, but certainly in technology. Looking at the history, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend and colleague, Seth Shapiro, wrote a, a great book on sort of the beginning of television. And and there's a lot of good pieces when you look back in their businesses and look in, in several businesses. Don't just, you know, stay in your own silo. But if you look back and, like I said, the, we've been trying to do interactivity for 25 years and understanding what we were trying to achieve, not necessarily the methods, Um and then looking at that new tech as it's happening, I mean, I'm just always a sponge to the cool new thing, uh, and then trying to evaluate for myself: is it a is it a trend? Is it a feature? Is it a fundamental technology? So trying to parse it into the right category. Yeah, as for me, it's always like, what do I pay um, attention to next? And ha- have you um, noticed um, at this point in in sort of the industry that um, the people that you're advising are um, more open to hearing about new things? Or are they more um, overwhelmed than they ever were before? Or, you know, has any of that changed, you know, from the days when you came to, to my technology lab and we're talking about you know, Xbox and where that was going, but has, has it changed at all? People's sort of response to all of this? You know, I, I think what's changed is the realization that it's changing. But what I mean by that is, is we, you know, there are people that have been very lodged in their industries and you can pick any vertical. Um, what we've seen is this rapid pace of, or acceleration of disruption. And that disruption has scared uh, people in adjacent industries. So if you look at the music disruption, uh, and, and, you know, I, I guess if you and I were having a radio conversation or maybe even a Morse code conversation back at the turn of the century, we might be having the same revelation about horse and buggy to car. But if you think about this disruption that we've seen in our near term in the music industry, the people in the, the video industry we're blind to it. They were just, now what do we do? And so I think what I'm seeing more of is people are kind of accepting and understanding there is going to be disruption. When is it going to disrupt me? Am I part of the disrupting or the disrupted? And Ah. so that's much more in that consciousness. And so when the conversations happen, you know, people are either going, 
I'm getting into a new business and I want to be that disruptor. How do I shake it up? Um, and then, or I'm in the business, I, I don't I either want to be a disruptor or I don't want to be disrupted or I want to be able to do that transition gracefully so I don't, yeah. So those are the things that I see happening a lot more in those conversations now. God, it's so interesting because um, I, I just remember having to spend so much time educating people um, and, um, you know, trying to convince them that these things were happening. Um, and I think one of my guests recently said that, you know, it, it's your job just to, you know, to get them to um, to understand it, not to sell it to them, which is, I guess, a big difference. You know, it's a right. subtle difference, but it's 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 you sort of, you know, acknowledging it's already here. Here's what's happening, as opposed to you have to understand this. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you can lead that horse to water, right? Um, and. Yeah, that making him drink is is a very tricky proposition, and that, and I often get that. And you know, part of it is understanding businesses where they're at. I mean, uh, I've been a disruptor in many businesses. I've been part of that organization that was trying to disrupt from internally. And you know, sometimes you have to admit or look at a business and go, you know what, they are on a path, and um, you know, to disrupt it would be catastrophic for many people's lives and business, you know, and, and jobs and things like that. And, and so you figure out what you can push on. Uh, some people are more embracing that change. And then some people are like, you know, I get it, but uh, we're a public company and the stockholders want to see this in this next quarter. And so, you know, they can acknowledge it, but whether they're able to change uh, for a number of reasons is, is a different subject. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, so I know right now that, um, that you were at NBC and and um, really helping them sort of look at what's coming next. Um, were they deeply invested in digging into you know VR and AR and all the new things that were coming, or do you find most studios and networks are a little behind? Um, good question. I found, and again, I uh, they're not a homogeneous set. Uh, obviously, they're you know, they're broadcasters or the broadcasters, but they're. Uh, a number of them are different evolutions of their sort of organizational shift. Um, I found the team I worked with at NBC uh, probably some of the more aggressive and progressive in saying the shift to digital distribution, um, although all media is digitally distributed, but the shift to sort of the online OTT environment, uh, the shift to a we don't care where you watch it, but please just watch it, um, knowing that it wasn't just about uh, a television in the living room driven by a traditional uh, distribution method. And then when you looked at these other things, uh, I worked in an environment where there was a lot of try it. Uh, my job definition was not, it was, it was almost the guy that doesn't do the mainstream stuff in the business. Um, right. The new, the, the new, the new guy stuff. All right. We have to take um, a quick break, but when we come back, sure. I want to actually get into what is that new stuff? And, you know, we've been talking about how it's all intersecting. So I'd love for you to set up for us, you know, how this is all going to go down um, as everybody is so terrified of Skynet. <laughs> it's really, it's really <laughs> not as scary as that. So we're going to be back with John DeCanning, the media Sherpa, who's going to take us through what is happening right now in the technology, content, and media business and how all these different trends are you know, coming together to create a lot of interesting opportunities. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back on the Tech Cat Show, and we've been jumping into um, understanding what is happening in media, tech, and entertainment, how all these different trends are colliding with John D. Canning, the media Sherpa, who has a really uh, deep career in sort of understanding all these different technology trends and how to apply them. So, John, just finishing, you know, um, a couple of years at NBC Entertainment as sort of their, you know, digital Sherpa, um, what what's happening out there? Like, why is everyone so obsessed with VR, AR, AI? You know, what what what's going on? And is this stuff, you know, really ready for prime time? So, yeah, I, I like to call it the flavor of the month um, or the new shiny quarter. Um, yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, certainly in an organization like an NBC and, and others, um, they are progressively getting focused on the, we don't want to be left behind. We want to be seen as hip and trendy, but yet we still have our main businesses to do, right? And you can't argue with that. Right? You know, you can you can follow the new stuff, but if you've got a massive organization that is getting paid in a particular way, um, you can't just instantly pivot or there's going to be a lot of tears. Um, so throughout the course of that and, you know, the second screen revolution um, – and then, well, I like to say it as like, look, it used to be a novel for an organization to say, hey, we need a website. Oh, we need a website to go with that show. Um, and we all are like, duh, like we do that now. And then it used to be, hey, social media. We, do you think we should do some social media for that show? Should we, should we be on Twitter for that show? Like, is there any show that's not involved in this thing? <laughs> Right, right. Like so, the base layer of what I call interactivity or presence in this these other channels is just increasing, and and just sort of the what we do. Then you start layering on some of these new things that are starting to that were emerging, and VR certainly bust on the scene. Um, I often say the good news is Facebook bought Oculus. The bad news is Facebook bought Oculus because it made almost everybody in this town who didn't necessarily understand where the product life cycle was to rush into the space going, Oh my God, if if Oculus, if Facebook is there, we got to do this. Right. And that was the period of the, the land rush into to doing VR. And then the sudden realization are like, wow, this product isn't very consumer friendly yet. Wow. There isn't an audience and sort of the realization, like I said, the product realization that it's still messy. Um, and then, 
AR happens on the scene, and everybody gets very excited because, well, Apple's launched it, and Google's launched it, and it must be a thing. Um, but then they stop, and, and it, it's my job and your job and other folks like ourselves to stay, well, just because it's a thing, do you know what to do with it? Do you know what it's useful for? Do you know how you want to use it? And so it's starting to take these technologies, and I've done it with VR. I've spent probably more time arguing people out of VR projects than getting them into VR projects, and I'm the guy that loves VR. Because right, 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 I'm, right. You know, I'm trying to use it where it's best used, not just the hammer for every nail. So if you, you know, AR and VR, all the, as I like to say, damn R's, um, <laughs> it, it's starting to place it in that where does it fit, what is it useful for, who can consume it. Look, I think the marketing gimmicks around AR, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. But it's not necessarily deep storytelling uh, yet. Um, you know, there's some fun games to do. But, look, I, you know, you, you think of some shows and you're like, hmm, does This Is Us need an AR experience? Hmm, maybe not. What is What do the fans of that show really want and how do you serve them? So, uh, you know, playing with those technologies and moving into AI, voice activation, uh, the, the, voice, the new natural language processing services, yeah, like an Alexa or Cortana or Siri, you know, to me, it's it's we. These are tools. These are ways to access the information. Uh, new ways for a consumer uh, to to ask for something and to get information back. Um, so you have sort of that whole UI layer. Then you start digging into uh, AI, and that's you know what is powering that UI layer. What is what is the smarts behind it? So when somebody does a search query, let's face it, we've been trying to apply smarts to things like search. So when you ask for something, you get a query back that is hopefully close to what you were asking for. And that's really simple AI. Then it gets more sophisticated all the way up to that chat bot. Um, it's the, even the help services. I mean, you look at some companies that have a pretty prolific layer of AI just simply to deal with the in-band help request to try to triage that before you can get to a human. Um, the, you know, the chat bots that are attached to uh, characters. So somebody's sitting there and they're in the messaging environment and they're seeing their messaging with a character from a show. It happens to be a, a, a bot. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, AR, sophisticated AR that can be driven or, or sophisticated voice interface that is driven by natural language processing that gives you a leg up on, on dealing with those interfaces. And then, you know, our, our favorite topic at the moment, the, the favorite hammer for everybody's nail is, is the blockchain. Uh, the concept and, and you know why is that like why is that now become the neck the new like talk about VR you know like why is that why is everyone so obsessed with that right now yeah so I think if you go back to that conversation about disruption um, it was it was pitched as and brought and hit the scene as a disruptive technology from the fringe that there were a lot of folks that got very excited about it because it rep represented a way to buck the establishment. Um, if you if you take media and entertainment out of it a second and you just look at the core of it, it was a a a way for people to transact money without big banks involved in the middle. And if you look at what's going on in the world and. You know, there's a lot of people frustrated in the financial crisis and the, you know, losing trust in your banks and watching banks go bankrupt. You know, suddenly for somebody to introduce a technology and a platform and say, hey, we have a way that you can get around that, you've got to admit that it's a very attractive 
a very attractive drug. Um, but if you then step into our media entertainment world, and, and, and I equate BitTorrent and the BitTorrent technology, peer-to-peer technology, in much the same way. Think about when everybody was getting very frustrated, everybody, the consumers of a particular demographic and all were getting frustrated of like, I want to get my media from not the man. I want to get it somehow. I want to be able to just get stuff the way I want it to. And, you know, the BitTorrent peer-to-peer networks were, were on fire. And, you know, blockchain, you can step in. That's, a, that's, the, distrib- that's the Napster stuff, right? That's for, for all of us who remember that period of time where, you know, it was all going to be about Napster and that kind of thing. Yeah. Peer to, Napster and BitTorrent, where it was a distributed uh, way to move content around the Internet that didn't rely on one particular company to serve the media. It was little chunks of your, your the the. TV show or the movie and legitimate services. I'm not even going to go into the, the pirate services and things like that, but there were legitimate ser- media distributing services um, that were using a peer-to-peer technology for serving content. Um, now we're talking about a peer-to-peer technology uh, to do bank transactions. Um, and, it, you know, it, and blockchain is, is <laughs> there's very sophisticated, and I don't think we want to get into all of it today, but if you think of a distributed ledger, a way out there in the internet that says, hey, Lori, um, you purchased this item, uh, and there's a record that's unalterable that says Lori's purchased this item out there. So when I am the owner of something and I say, did Lori purchase this? I can look and go, oh, yeah, Lori purchased that. So if you think about it as it moves into the media world, um, as a safe, secure, distributed way for a ledger or a transaction system, um, much the same as we looked at, at, at DRM uh, or uh, the key chest or ultraviolet or that way of having a rights locker in the sky. So we've all, you know, a lot of people in the media industry have been through that rights locker in the sky, the concept of Lori can go buy a movie. Um, I have a way to say that Lori has bought that movie or rented it for 99 years for a very long time. Um, so if Lori wants to watch it on a streaming service and in a hotel, there's a way that the system can verify that Lori is, you know, a long, long-term leaser of that media. She should be able to watch it. Right? The, the, the frustration you probably have of, I have the DVD at home. I would just want to watch it streaming over the service. Why do I have to pay for it again? So the promise of those kinds of things, certainly in the big mainstream media, I mean, look, they're looking at it, not saying it's a, a um, you know, eliminate our business. It's a way to potentially enable business. Uh, and then you have a lot of folks uh, in in a lot of folks that are gathering in the various uh, crypto and, and blockchain-related conferences that are looking at how to disrupt the media distribution services. There's a lot of people, certainly we've seen it in music and now we see it in video, that say, Lori, if you're, if you're listening to a piece of music, you, Lori, want to pay the musician for that music. You don't necessarily want to pay all the intermediary people that get in the way of your relationship with that musician. You want to reward that musician. Well, guess what? People are starting to say that about video content, and especially in the light of uh, YouTubers and, and bloggers. Um, it's the how, how do you establish a relationship with your customer that is more direct, enables the, the creator to get paid, enables the purchaser to enjoy uh, and have that relationship. So I think this kind of technology is seeping in there. 
Um, and a lot of big organizations are looking at it, uh, as well as a lot of disruptors. Um, and what I think, back to your original statement of like, has it changed is, look, the big organizations are looking at it just as hard as the disruptors are. So it's almost the big organizations are trying to figure out how to disrupt themselves before somebody else disrupts themselves. Right, because it's happening, it's happening everywhere with every category in the world. I mean, I was at a conference uh, at South by Southwest, and I saw bread being disrupted. You know, there was this, this bread bot, and it was literally a big machine that made fresh bread on the spot. You know, it was a big, like, it looked like some sort of Dr. Seuss machine, but literally it it spit out bread and you would just go up to it and get your fresh bread and pay for it at the register. So um, totally disrupting. So, like, everything now is getting disrupted. So everyone has to be paying attention to it. At first I thought, you know, the bread disruption machine was basically, you know, a gluten-free ploy, but I see what you're saying now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're going to have to take a break in a moment, but when when we come back, I do want to ask you, you know, can can companies be set up to to handle this correctly? I mean, is 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 there a way for large corporations actually to make smart decisions right now and is there a formula for that or is it really like someone like you comes in and they listen to you for a while and so maybe they make some right turns, but is there a way operationally to sort of always be able to handle disruption like this? Got it. Wow. All right. We'll we'll dig into it. (laughs) It's just a small question, right? It's just a really, really... Explain the universe. Give two examples. Right. Explain the universe. And then also I'd love to know, like, what are you... um, And this is a question I ask everyone, too, is what are you reading? What do you do to keep up with everything? Um, You know, do you find it more overwhelming than ever before? Um, to 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 track what's happening. Oh yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be we'll back. We'll get into that. We'll be- too. <laughs> All right, so we're going to answer the universe questions and uh, how you stay alive <laughs> when we come back <laughs> on the Tech Ed Show with the media Sherpa who's guiding us through this cluster of new technologies and maybe John will give us uh, some th- some thoughts about what what we should really do what like what does a business person do in this in this madness all right we'll be back on the tech cat show when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
commodities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody. We've been talking to John DeCanning, the media Sherpa, who recently just did um, quite a stint at NBC um, as their VP of Interactive Experiences. And John's done um, a lot of time... (laughs) Not jail time, but time at a lot of large uh, media companies. And I, and I asked you before, and this is such a big question, but, you know, is it possible for, for these large media companies and brands and all these guys playing in the space to get ahead of this, um, you know, to not get disrupted or actually to make smart decisions? Like, can you go in there and guide them through this this mess? Oh, boy. Um, you know. Uh, Don't cry. Just answer the question. No, no, I, I would love to. I would love to say yes, and, and please call me now. My name, my number is. Um, it is. It, it goes back to uh, you can't make an organization be aware if they don't want to be. And I've I've had the luck of working with some great folks and great organizations that have been aware of what's going on around them, and yet smart and conscious business people. Uh, about their own business. Um, you know, again, like I said, just because an organization is aware, it doesn't mean they can do it. Um, disruption is hard. Um, it is, it, it, it takes, uh, you know, you, you would think about the companies that you work with or think about the companies you've been in. And then for somebody to say, yeah, we're going to take a chunk of our employees and let them work on things that have no effect of our bottom line today. And we're going to justify that budget spend and, we're going to convince everybody that something great is going to come out of it. Um, that's tough to do. Uh, and you, you either have to find that moment, find that budget item, um, but you certainly have to start with willingness. And you have to start with that approach that says, we want to keep an eye on what's going on, whether it's an individual or a part of our organization or, or people we bring in that keep us in that pulse of what's going on. And then you have to pull out the Ouija board and you have to decide like, when do we need to make the move? Look, I know some great companies that have been fast followers that have done really well in the, we weren't the first, but we watched the other people go first. And then we came in strong second and we mopped up. Um, that's that, you know, being first isn't always great. You take a lot of arrows in the back uh, like I said, there were a lot of people rushing into this VR space that are now just desperately holding on uh, until an audience comes back in. The second wave of people that came into the VR space and then, you know, looking into the AR space, they were like, oh, okay, well, maybe entertainment isn't exactly the gangbusters because, you know, not everybody's going to have these headsets. It's not necessarily a, a big, huge consumer uh, proposition right now. But you know what? the training industry, uh, teaching people how to do their jobs. Well, there's actually money there. Or the medical uh, field where, you know, if you can explain to a doctor how they can do a surgery X number of times faster, um, they're going to pay the premium dollar. Um, So what I've, you know, it's helping a company uh, 
A, if they're willing to have that conversation, and then B, go through the process of where are we and what are we willing to do. Um, uh, I, like I said, you can watch those people say, we just want to be disruptors, and then you really try to take them through what it means to do that uh, or to challenge some of their business, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, so I think that's the, yeah, the first step is, is being willing to change. And being open to it, being open to it, yeah. but also being being willing to uh, put resources towards it. So and and not be able to necessarily um, see the revenue from it, because you know certainly if you've been an innovation in any large company, and like you said, they go through these waves where they want to attach your salary specifically to revenue. And when you're working in innovation, you you're not necessarily attached to revenue, at least not right away. Right. No, that, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah, and again, that is being self-aware. Like some people are like, "Oh, we want to be innovative," and they're like, "Okay, well, what are you being? What are what are your goal? You know, what are your goals? Your KPIs? Your you know, what are you being valued on? What is definition of success for you?" And if they if they're like, "Well, I must do this in the next number of months, or I must succeed at this," and you're like, "Okay, I, I had a job at NBC and and was proud of my uh, my bosses and." And there was some strong realization that uh, there was going to be very few things that I could knock out of the park. I wouldn't necessarily be able to knock it out of the park by myself. Um, and uh, there was going to be a healthy amount of failure. Uh, and I was okay and, and knowing going into that uh, that there was going to be a percentage of what I worked on that would never see the light of day. It was almost expected um, because it's that funnel of, you know, concept, format, uh, idea, to eventually green light, to eventually making it on air or online. And that's a, that's a tough road. Um, but you have to have people in organizations that will admit that uh, and acknowledge that and stick with it because it's not necessary. I, it was one, more, one project that I worked on for two years, incubation uh, to almost getting to air. Uh, and it got uh, it was basically, you know, axed, um, and you know, you you've got to be able to say, okay, what's next? Uh, and it was two years, so you think about two years of your life where you're like, oh, we're just going to flush that down the drain, and that was fine. well. Is is that because leadership changes, or is that just because um, you know they they they're in a moment where they don't want to you know put resources to it? Uh, good question. Um, I think if you looked at that time frame where I said, hey, good, good question, that's why you're in charge. Um, <laughs> if you look at two years, a long time to get something out. And uh, TV shows, I, I think the development cycles are getting faster because audiences are more fickle. Um, competitors, it, it used to be that if you were in the media business, there was only a couple of organizations you had to watch and, and stay pace with. Now it is crazy town, right? I mean, it's you've got more television being made by more organizations today than ever before. Um, things that are not that are like television, um, you know. In, in other words, like there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the short form categories. There's so much going on, and there's so much call for people's attention that if you take too long at something, uh, you've missed your window, uh, or you know the trend that you were hoping to hop on passes and uh, you can't necessarily get that one back. So it depends on what you're making, but I think that's the, the more of it. It's, it's, it's even less about regime changes or, or things like that. It's, it's more about 
uh, you know, the project I was on, in two years, it, it kind of the steam went out of it. And it was like, uh, maybe that's not a thing anymore. Um, so it's almost, it, it, how do you get to market quickly? And right. I would argue, because right. I'm not a fan of, I, I understand fail, fail fast and fail often is important. Right, but so the rapid, going, the rapid uh, prototyping or the startup mentality sure. of, of getting there somehow as quickly as possible and then later on building it out fully. That's right. But I would argue that you've got to balance that against the fickle consumer. Because if you fail with a consumer now, getting them back to try you again after they've moved on to the next four things that were watched you fail and did a little bit better or a little bit differently, good luck. Right? Well, like, what's an example? My argument of is, you know, you know did may you, not. Did you, you, you got to come out strong, and you got to come out good, or you may never come back. Well, did you did you work on anything where it didn't come out strong, and and people never came back? <laughs> uh, what cool. didn't you work uh, on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a leading question. You know, I, I honestly, uh, if I go back in, in further in history, I started early days on uh, the Disney movie project um, that eventually has uh, now been shut down again and shifting into a new version of something. Um, and I watched that go, to, you know, try to, you know, we were, we were at a, what I would call a strong beta, and we didn't go out to marketplace. And then it took probably another three years after I was gone eventually get a product out to market um you know yeah there's been any number of things like that uh you know projects that i can't talk about because they never saw a light of day enough to be a thing that people would know about um you know media center for me was one of those where we. this was you you were um, at microsoft Uh, right yeah microsoft the microsoft media center edition product Uh, which was we were sort of of xboxy yeah. Just, just for people that don't know what it is, it's a, it was an Xbox, but it was also um, a, a media server of, of sorts where you could put your own media on it. Yeah, we were the PC side of that, right? So we used right. an Xbox as a server sort of remote device in the living room. Um, but this was 2000s, early 2000s. You were way, way before your time, way, way before, yeah. right? <laughs> so, so, you know, like right idea about 10 years before everybody else was ready for it. Yeah, I mean, I loved that thing. Um, I loved that thing. I thought it was, um, you know, it was so smart. But you're absolutely right. It was it was way way before its time. It, and is it because you know studios and networks and you know uh, media companies are still looking at sort of older forms of measurement? You know, like Nielsen ratings and and those kinds of of key performance indicators. Whereas now everything's different, so we should be measuring other things. Oh, wow. Um, this is going to be a... So, I think, <laughs> yes, fundamentally, the things, what we can track and measure are shifting. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the issue, though. It's the Nielsen ratings, and Nielsen has evolved as a company and, and is, is constantly shifting what they measure, because ultimately, I think they're a measurement company, and they may have another buzzword for them, but you realize that it was an industry that was established around a gold, a gold standard, and that gold standard was ratings. And so not only was the media creation business and the media distribution business, but the brand business and the agency business all were using the same currency to do business. So to shift that, uh, 
takes a lot of time and a... I, I explained this to somebody the other day. I said, you know, look, if you think about an ABC television or a CBS, for a long time they didn't... They weren't able to measure themselves who was watching their shows because they were broadcast, right? Yeah. And they distributed their content through everybody else or over the air, and there was no way to get a coherent view of your audience. So you did have to have some common set standard that said, we're going to describe, describe who's watching our show. That's obviously shifting. And so now there's many organizations. I mean, look, Linda Yaccarino from NBC famously has said, uh, you know, is disrupting that status quo. And is there's a lot more different conversations about how media is bought and sold because we are starting to measure a lot more, and we can. But again, it's how do you get a ubiquitous measurement across all the places that your content goes to be able to create an accurate summary, right? If you're distributing your content across six OTT platforms, a couple of cable platforms, a satellite platform, and over the air, that's a hard picture to paint. Wow. Well, I, we have to take a, well, our last break on that note, but that's a, a great setup for how crazy the world really is right now and how much executives have to really look at where their content is going and all the contracts change and all the types of content they may change. But we're going to be back with the media Sherpa, Mr. John D. Canning, um, and, and find out um, a little bit more about what he's up to next, where we can read and hear about uh, the things that he understands, and um, basically stalk him digitally, I think is what we're going to find out about. So we'll be back I in a moment on the Tech Hat Show. <laughs> media. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. So, my friend, the media sharp at John D. Canning, we've been talking to you about how all of these different trends are coming together and what a sort of confusing time it really is for every part of the business. Um, how do you how do you keep up? Are you going to a lot of trade shows? Are you reading a lot of, you know, newsletters and Twitter feeds? Like, what's your sort of approach to managing the in- influx of new information? Uh, drink it from the fire hose. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I try to do a combination of things because I find, uh, you know, I found as the aggregated news services, like I, I literally go across the world politics, everything to the technology rags, but I found that I have to use clipping services, uh, whether it be a Newsify or, or Apple news to, to just basically pull those snippets in and I, and I'm constantly scanning them. Um, but for me, uh, it is a lot of the conversations in the, with people in the business because the stuff that I care about isn't the stuff that's being written up yet, right? By the time it gets written up, it may be a month, a week, uh, you know, you know, but it's already a thing. And what's fascinating to me is is touching base in a lot of personal conversations with people in the business of what are we up to, what's going on, what are you seeing, who do you care about, and. That's it's happening both in just the one-on-one interactions here, um, and then a lot of the, the different, uh, you know, I said the regular trade shows for me. But I also um, I enjoy going to some of the more small craft conferences these days. Um, so uh, I did the Harvest Summit this past fall. Uh, I did the Dent Conference uh, in uh, February, and it was those were small groups of eclectic group of people that were having conversations where you actually have real conversations with people. It's not mass presentations by one company about their product. It's much more uh, TED style. It's much more uh, meaningful conversations. And I find talking to people that are outside my normal sphere, it, it help link it to things that I find interesting. I recently was in a, a small conference where I was talking to the, the CIO of LA County's Parks and Rec. Guy's fascinating and doing some amazing things right here in LA. And really? I told you, yeah, I know, like exactly, like, and and this guy's got a fascinating background. He's trying to drive innovation and change into an organization that you're like, it's park and rec. <laughs> right, right, right. But they're dealing um, but, with like the environment and you know consumer models of engagement and how to keep the trees alive, right? They're dealing with the fact that almost every one of the L.A. parks now has a Wi-Fi hotspot. Right, right. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't even think about that. Okay, yeah. No. But, you know, what they can do is they can now start telling you the usage in different parks because they can tell as people are wandering in and accessing the hotspots, they can tell you usage. They can tell you time of day. Um, they can build a model. Um, I, I, You know, I mean, radical things like... They're doing things in L.A. pools to help save, uh, to prevent drowning victims. Super high-tech stuff. You wouldn't believe it's happening. But it's, it's, it's just, again, one example of meeting people and start talking about different solutions. We got into a whole conversation about using augmented reality as a parks guide across L.A. Huh. Uh, who knew, right? Right, right, um, right. <laughs> 
so for me, I'm enjoying those kind of cross pollinations. But I'm, and then it's it's a lot of the the small meetups here in town and and across uh, the you know San Francisco and New York, uh, also internationally, uh, that are are tail around a major conference. So you go to the major conference, but it's those small meetups that you're curating on the side that are I find the most valuable. And what what about you? Um, what are you? How are you um, maintaining your media Sherpa status? Because you're an influencer, you know, you're a consultant in the space. Are you posting a lot? Where can we read read you know what you're thinking and up to? You know, how do we stalk you? As I mentioned, we're big stalkers here on the yeah. Tech Show. I you know I we have a long history of really yeah, I never invited a lot of digital stalkers, but come on down. No, um, so I honestly, I've been a, a longtime user of LinkedIn uh, because I found that was the best way to keep up with a lot of friends across the world in the business. As we move, we change jobs. You get the corporate email changes, but you always want to find a way to reach people. Uh, and I find a lot of great uh, stream of information that people are doing in the business and, and ways to connect there. Um, you know, I'm I'm posting there on Instagram. I happen to be the media Sherpa on Instagram, um, but I, I, you know, I I take the tidbits. I'm one of these people that I'm I'm, I'm peppering it out there in the in the different circumstances, um, and uh, I am doing a lot around conferences because I help folks curate uh, talks, uh, panels, and sometimes whole conferences. So recently, I was doing a private event for uh, Magid, the research firm, uh, and helping them organize their speakers to their VR consortium. Um, I'll be uh, doing some speaking at Pay TV conference coming up soon. Uh, all next week, I'm at GDC, so I'm I'm hanging with the game team, uh, game folks, uh, helping the, the volunteers at GDC, and and uh, getting back to my gamer roots. So uh, a bunch of stuff on the go right now. And and is 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 if we go to Media Sherpa your website, then we can find out what you're what you're thinking about and doing. Okay, you're just you just outed me. Um, I gotta update the website. That's, I think I think my LinkedIn posts right now are probably more what I'm thinking and doing. Um, and uh, sadly, I have discovered. Well, you know, you know how it happens. The cyclical moment is is when uh, Media Sherpa was spending more time in, at NBC. Uh, Media Sherpa's website uh, took a wayside, but now it's time to into the short yeah it's the it's the typical consultant thing where you're on staff for a while so you don't take care of your consultant side and then you you, you're um, more on the consultant side and you need to take care of how people learn about you Um, but but um, you know we have to go we have to go soon but what what's one or two things that you think you know our audience should be paying attention to you know and they're all uh, small businesses brands companies that are trying to figure out how to keep ahead like if you were gonna give somebody a reading assignment that you thought was really helpful or a topic they should dig into? What's, what, what do you think is the thing to dig into right now? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to brag on one thing just for a second. Um, yes. The, one of the things that I'm deeply embedded in right now is, is helping produce a, a VR project. Um, I, and I don't get, I, I get to come back to interesting projects that aren't always uh, Heavily, heavily revenue focused, and this VR project that I'm going to be producing um, is with a, a documentary film team, and the project's called Shades of Red, uh, and it's testimonies uh, and witness accounts uh, as told through interpretive dance around the issue of sexual assault. Wow. And uh, I'm proud to be a part of that project, and we're we're currently in the throes of fundraising. Uh, we're bringing out some great partners, uh, some voices that are 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 talking and, and a way to approach this topic that is something that can be consumed by 
uh, a lot of different people. Um, but that's one project I'm on. I'm also uh, working with a number of small companies and advising them uh, in the area of product, uh, production technology and production disruption. So thinking about the replacing the green screen, uh, advancing the, the way we do our production techniques. So if I was going to say to people, hey, what are you paying attention to? It's thinking not just about VR and AR as an end product, uh, but how it affects our whole production process. Um, I'm looking at a lot of things. I look at how technology is combined. So for me, it's not just about voice. It's about how do you power a solution underneath voice and what are you doing with that and what interfaces you're driving with that. So I look at the intersection of voice, voice input, AI, and visualization and how those work together. Uh, the tool sets in this business are fascinating to me. It's the sort of underlying boring things to a lot of people, but just the we're redefining production processes and how we do it and the tool sets that people use, uh, you know, whether it's live action volumetric capture or game engines in real time simulation, there's just a lot of fascinating things going on there and the synergy of that. Awesome. Well, we have been talking to the fabulous John D. Canning. You can find him at Media Sherpa um, on various social media networks. He'll be updating his website soon. And he's uh, really capturing the swirl right now of media um, technology and content. John, thank you so much for, for swinging by the studio <laughs> and talking to us. We've enjoyed it so much. Um, and we'll be back next oh. week with another fabulous uh, Sherpa of kinds, right? There you go. There you go. Well, thank you very much, Lori. It's been an absolute delight. Uh, it took us too long to get here and hope to do it again soon. Media Sherpa, 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 Sherpa. Sherpa. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Talk to you next week on the Tech Cat Show. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 